Hello and welcome to the Dead in Goal Rugby League podcast, powered by Inside Sport magazine. My name's James Smith. Um, sorry for the gap between podcasts, folks. Um, bit hectic uh, in the rising world of print media. Um, bit of a special Coogee Dolphins-themed episode, this one. Um, uh, with me is Man About Town, uh, Wheeler and Dealer, Steel Sports General Manager, Newtown Jets Director, and Coogee Dolphins Club Stalwart, Albie Tallarico. Anything I've missed there, mate? Yeah, former President Life member, uh, ball runner, um, water boy, you name it, I've done it. <laughs> Raffle ticket seller. Yeah, that's right. And you've even been on this podcast before. Yeah, so. well, it's good to be back in between drinks. It's been a long time, James. I'm a little disappointed it's taken about a year, but that's okay. You know, you know, yeah. like, what do they say? The longer you wait, the more you appreciate it. <laughs> it was a year, actually. It's been exactly a year because my wife's going away on the weekend, exactly the same weekend she went away last. <laughs> That's embarrassing and very impressive at the same time. Oh, it is indeed. <laughs> no, excellent. Yeah, so um, we'll get right into it. Um, thanks very much for taking the time to, to chat with uh, Dead in Goal. Mate, um, really wanted to concentrate on the Coogee Dolphins uh, for reasons that will be revealed very shortly. But what's your role with the Dolphins, mate? Uh, at the moment, probably just, um, I suppose, in, in the word that you've said is stalwart. Um, I don't sit on the committee anymore. I try to sit away from it, but I'm always happy to help and provide advice when needed. And I still quite often get uh, get called in just to, I suppose, uh, make peace or come up with a new suggestion or an idea or organise something. You know, when, when you're associated with a junior rugby league club, you don't ever walk away. There's no walking away from rugby league. Uh, it's like that great scene in Godfather 3 where, where uh, Michael Corleone goes, every time I get out, they, they pull me back in. <laughs> and and, it, and it, it is what it is with um, with junior rugby league. But there's also a great emotional attachment as well. And, it's, and a lot of it is also pride. Um, and also to be proud of a club that you've been involved with for such a long time. And, and for me now, it's uh, on to its 17th year. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. 17 years. Far out. And... Um... Um, what initially attracted you to become involved with the Dolphins? I've always had a longing to get involved with the sporting side. <laughs> bit by bit, I'm getting there. It's <laughs> taken me a little while. <laughs> Maybe in the next life. Um, and a mate of mine, Trent Thompson, said, my brother's now the president of the Coogee Dolphins. And would you like to become involved? We need someone to run the water. Run the water? Run the water. Okay. And this yeah. was back in 2002. And I said, yeah, sure, fine. Why not? And they said they might need you to come to a committee meeting every Tuesday. Oh, every yeah, every yeah. Tuesday, once a month. Yeah. Once a month, every <laughs> Tuesday, I should say. The third Tuesday of every month or whatever. And I went, yeah, okay, I'll come along. No yeah. worries. Started to meet some guys. And, you know, it's all about expanding, in a way, business network, but also friendship as well. And I hadn't been involved with anything for such a long time that I'd forgotten all about what it took to be involved in something and how much time it does take up. Hmm. But saying that, uh, I ran the water and I got my ticket and I was a former referee, so I had an understanding of the rules and what was going on. They didn't know that at the time, uh, but then bit by bit they understood that I was a former referee, so I could referee training sessions, which I did, uh, and also um, be there every Sunday. you got to fill the water. Uh, I was like that fellow in that movie, Adam Sandler's character, Bobby Boucher. And I don't worry, every member of my family has been giving it to me ever since. Uh, but it was it was fantastic. And, and to be involved with a club that at the time was was uh, had only been around for maybe eight years mm-hmm. uh, was very special. 
we only had two sides, an A grade and a junior side. That's it. Yeah. So we weren't big by any means of the imagination. We weren't famous for any reason. We were just a, a country club, and this is what I put it down to. We were a country club in the city. Yep. Uh, we weren't exclusive to anyone, but everyone came from somewhere to be involved. There was no birthrights. A lot of the other clubs in the eastern suburbs, there are birthrights. They've been there for generations. I mean, if you look at Mascot, they're probably looking at four generations, maybe five now. Yeah. And and to put that into perspective, we've got young Matt Evans who plays for Newtown. His father, Greg, played for Souths. There is a grandstand named after his grandfather. So that's how famous that family is in that area. Our club is not like that and never has been. Uh, we're a home away from home, and we were back then in 2002, and we still are today uh, for some of the players. Um, and I suppose being a part of that type of rugby league at that level is nothing short. It was just a lot of fun and still is you know, when it comes off, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, terrific. And so um, on the 2nd of August, is it? On the 2nd of August, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the club will stage uh, an important event. Um, I just want to, yeah, can you paint the picture about what's going to happen then? It's the 20th anniversary of the Paddy Byrne Coogee Dolphin Sports Lunch. We changed the name to Paddy Byrne a few years ago um, because Paddy's no longer with us. Yeah. And he was one of the architects along with a couple of the guys that passed away in Bali on October 12, 2002. And they wanted to make a difference. Uh, so they said, well, let's raise money for the Sydney Children's Hospital. That's who the chosen charity was then. It's now Ronald McDonald House. And since that time, we've raised around about two hundred and fifty to 300000 I don't know the exact figure, but wow. this year's the 20th year, so we're going for gold. The amount of people that have come on that particular day and enjoyed themselves is nothing short of amazing. Mm. Um, this year it's back at what was the palace, our first home. It's now the pavilion with Justin Hems in charge. So we're looking forward to it. So it's great to be back in our spiritual home where we used to drink and where all the boys used to gather. And it overlooks Dolphins Point, uh, which is another special place in the Coogee uh, locale for, for many reasons, not just for mm. the Coogee Dolphins, but the other uh, 14 people from the area. Mm. So we raised the money, and we, of course we named it after Paddy, who I suppose was the seventh dolphin. Uh, he came back, but his spirit got broken that night, and unfortunately, uh, I think it's almost five years now, he's, he's no longer with us, and so we, in his honour we named the lunch after him. Uh, he was one of the great architects. Two of the lunches that he prepared were the biggest ever, and I'm talking over 200 people. Yeah. And, you know, This year we'll have about 170, 180. We're already a third of the way sold. We will be sold out within two weeks, we think. If you go to the website, coogeedolphins.com, follow the links. You want to get a table or, you know, we've got tier tables. This year we've got Sam Kekovich, Richie Callender, Brett Finch, and that's just for starters. Oh. So we, we know that come come to the uh, come to that particular Friday, it's it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And um, so um, sportsmen's lunches, they're pretty much a, a staple of the sporting community. Like, what is it about them, do you reckon? I think that you can hear a story that you probably wouldn't hear on TV. Yeah, true. And I think that that's the, you know, that's what it is. We get a lot of women to our lunches. So we have tables and tables of, of the girls that, that turn up, you know, whether they're netballers or whether they're mums or wives or girlfriends or partners. Yeah. So that's a great thing. So, you know, we welcome one and all. There's no, there's no, but they tell stories and it's not politically correct. And you put the microphones away and they tell a story and you'd never be able to, to watch it. You'd never be able to hear it anywhere else. And for that, probably a couple of hours, you get to just sit back and relax and just enjoy an afternoon. 
Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. Um, and what about the Dolphins this year on the field? Like what's happening there? Oh, they're struggling a little, but they're doing their best. It wasn't a cheeky question. No, I generally, no, generally they, didn't know. they are trying their best. Yeah. You know, we've got a new coach this year who's doing really good things. Um, the weather hasn't been kind. We've had a couple of cancellations. We've got three senior signs this year, which is for the first time. We've got a, an A and A reserve and a 17s, and the 17s are going great guns. Uh, and then we've got a few junior sides as well. And then we've got the netballers and the netballers are going strength to strength as they always do. Um, you know, you talk about uh, competitiveness in, in guys in rugby league. Well, let me tell you, girls and netball, let me, that's, that's another story altogether. There's a whole new subculture there that I'm starting to experience as a father of a daughter. And uh, it's very, very interesting. Oh, it's good to see though too, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It's brilliant that they get out and they, you know, it's very social for them. They get to meet, um, you know, girls right across, hmm. you know, you know, my daughter plays for another particular side and, you know, she's become friends with girls that she would never have met otherwise. And I, and I think that's what sport does is it brings you into contact with people not from your area and not from, I suppose, where you grew up and you become friends. And that's that's just fantastic. Oh, excellent. Um, and so I, I did a bit of research before speaking to you. That first season that you were talking about, yes. you had an A-grade senior team and an under sixes team. <laughs> That's like um, both ends of the, of the spectrum. Both ends of the spectrum. Well, that particular year in 2002, we had a playoff to get into um, fifth place. Yeah. And the boys won the game on the Tuesday night, played in the semi final on the Sunday and lost. Oh. Unfortunately. And that was the end of their season. So they made it to the first week of the final series. Uh, the under sixes. Uh, or the junior side. I think at that stage they may have been 11s. I think they made it to the semis, if memory serves me right, uh, which is terrific. Uh, the following year, after 2003, uh, they didn't make the five, the senior side, but the second grade or the A reserve made the grand final. And then the following year, we won the A reserve. Grand finalists, we won the A grade. I think we were grand finalists or runners up in the A reserve and then the under sixes won 35-34, so that was a pretty exciting thing as well. 35-34? Yeah, right on the bell. <laughs> field goal by in the under sixes. No, it was a try don't yeah, yeah. at the old Redfern Oval. It was, oh, the place went up. Oh. I've never seen a roof go off a grandstand, but rugby league it does. Get a reunion of that team. Yeah, well, some of the names that came through, you know, look at those names and the kids that came through from sixes and they ended up at tens, and, you know, they, they, they drift. I mean, you know, the... That's the big problem with rugby league, which we could talk about another day, but you do lose them at a certain age, yeah. unfortunately. And I think it's a problem in all sports, but uh, rugby league in particular. Yeah, for sure. Okay, a bit of a controversial question, this one. You guys started out in the Roosters um, Correct. junior system, and now yes. you're in the South junior system? Yes, we lasted one year. <laughs> one year. What happened there? Uh, I just feel that at the time, the, the powers that be in the club realised that uh, the Roosters... Um, they're a recruitment system. Yep. Um, they're not a development system. Like, yeah, you Penrith and Parra are a development. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and yeah. South Juniors are a development. And to give an example, South Juniors this year, I think there are 22 players in the NRL yep. that came from South Juniors clubs. 22. And I think it's the largest in the inner Sydney. Penrith and Parra are, 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 are mid-20s. The club that is amazing when it comes on a per capita basis is probably Cronulla. I think they've got 16 or 17. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Souths uh, are in the top three. Two years ago, they were number one. They beat Penrith by one. But now it's changed a little bit because of how many players are allowed to be registered in each NRL squad. 
The amount of money that South's put into the system, which ranges anywhere from $2.7 to $3.2 million per annum, you know, has to come from somewhere. And they provide for our district insurance, uh, jerseys, uh, shorts and socks. You only need to bring your boots. Uh, they'll supply footballs. And then the clubs through fundraising will provide the apparel and, and things mm. like that and the coaches, of course. So are you saying that South Juniors mm -hmm. provide 20... 22 NRL players. Correct. I mean, you look at it, Blake Ashford, uh, James Roberts, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it's just fantastic. I mean, it's it's an amazing achievement. Yeah. Uh, and then you look at the second tier and you see where the numbers are there and that's the South Juniors are quite well looked after. As I mentioned, young Matt Evans, who's a mascot boy. Mm. Um, you look at um, Aaron Gray, mascot. Uh, so there's some, some great players that are coming through and, and you know what? They're well looked after in that system. At the end of the day, I don't care where they go. Mm. If they're playing rugby league and they've come through the system, that's fantastic. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I'm just crunching the numbers because I'm a mathematical genius. Yeah. 22, that's almost an, an entire NRL squad, NRL team squad. Yeah, and, and I mean, if you if you got the boys back that – if you didn't have your Burgess boys mm. at uh, South and replaced them with other guys that are out there, you'd be surprised. Uh, and, I, and I've looked through the list. Every year when the book comes out, I go through it and I do my numbers okay. and checks and things like that. And I send yeah. the report to Keith McGraw and uh, let him know because sometimes he doesn't know. Um, but last year, I think actually in the, the South Juniors Diamond anniversary, which was the 60th anniversary, I think they had one more play than Penrith at that particular time. Okay. It was only by one, I think. But it was just fantastic. You know, I mean, they do spend a lot. They are... You know, they're rusted on some of those blokes on down there and the only way they'll ever go is, is in a box, as they've always said, but they just love their rugby league. Yeah, so they should. It's, it's fantastic to hear, yeah. Okay, um, and when so when people hear the term Coogee Dolphins, um, they might immediately think of Bali tragedy. Yes. And we'll get to that shortly. But um, you were talking about the club before, like what was it like before, before that? You know what... It's a nice little... It was just a little club with a bunch of blokes. Yeah. You know, they, some great friendships were made before I got there. Some of those guys that were there before me are still involved in the club. Yeah. There's about a core four or five that were there almost from day one. And that's just extraordinary. We're still a very young club yeah. comparatively yeah. to other clubs in our area. Uh, and this year, I think we celebrate. We, we, we came in via the Constitution in 94, and I think our first... Uh, no, 93, our first season was 94. So it's another special year this year. I think it's 25 years. Fantastic. So, you know, these are the things that go on. But, you know, with, with the changing of the guard in the early 2000s, uh, we had guys that wanted to take the club to a different level. And they were about giving back to the community because, you know, none of them had children. Uh, those boys that went to Bali, in a way, it's a, it's a saving grace, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they always thought about other people. I mean, don't worry, they did a fundraiser to make sure that they went overseas to have their end-of-season trip, and they oh, gave, they give as good as they got. Don't They, they, they weren't saints. Uh, they may not have been... I don't know, they may have been sinners, I don't know. But, were they regular league boys? Well, or yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> over in Bali, of course. Um, but, of course, you know, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. But they really tried very hard to... Um, to ensure that, you know, there was a legacy. And that was one of the great things about the club. That's what I had to walk into at the end of 2002. You walked in, into that? Yes. All right. Gosh. Um, 
I mean, you know, everybody can do their own Googling if, if you're too young to remember what happened in, in 2002. But I just wanted to maybe approach this from another angle, one that you're not expecting me to. But one of them, I find one of the most touching aspects um, of the club is the emblem uh, with a listing of the six players' numbers who you lost um, at Bali. Like, it's such a magnificent gesture, isn't it? I, we, I love that. We put that in our constitution and we redesigned the logo in 2003-04. Um, and it was, done, it was done by Patrick Byrne initially. Okay. We had to make an adjustment, and this is another side story, yeah. is because uh, we wanted a trademark to protect it. There are always people that want to make opportunities, so we thought we'd, we thought we'd do that. So we trademarked our logo and we trademarked the design. And we had to send it, of course, to IP Australia, IP World, who look after all these trademarks. Yeah. We got no objections from anyone in Australia, but we got an objection from Miami Dolphins. So Miami Dolphins then sent an email back or a letter or fax in those days, you know, explain the logo, you need to make an adjustment to the design, you ripped it off us, but, you know, if you do this, we'll accept it. But you have to guarantee certain things. So we did that, we changed the logo, we sent it back to them, and they wanted to know what the numbers were about. The same question that you're asking now. And so we sent the facts back saying that these are the boys' jerseys that, uh, you know, tragically were, were killed in the Bali tragedy. Yeah. Uh, one year, one month and one day from September 11th. You know, mm. one year, one month, one day. We got a beautiful email back from the Royal Facts at the time, you know, passing on the condolences, mm -hmm. thoughts and everything like that, thanking us for going to them to ask about the logo, wishing us all the very best. About 18 months later, uh, there was the controversy with Gold Coast. Gold Coast wanted to originally call themselves the Gold Coast Dolphins. Redcliffe kicked up a bit of a stink and said, no, hang on, we're the Redcliffe Dolphins and you have to change your name. They went to trademark their name and they said, oh, we'd actually stepped under their guard and registered our name because they wanted to be the only Dolphins in rugby league because their grand ambition was to be a part of the NRL at the time mm -hmm. or at least at some stage. But because we'd slipped under the guard, there was nothing they could do. They did make an overture about as to whether we would change, which was promptly shut down and said no. And every year we make sure we pay our fee on time to make sure that we remain the Coogee Dolphins. Oh, my God. It's just far out. <laughs> Why should you change? You were born in 1993. Well, that's right. But, you know, I mean, it is rugby league and the law and rugby league make strange bedfellows on occasion. And then and Redcliffe as well. They've been around for a long time. a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a fantastic organisation. Yeah. I was only talking to Terry Williams, the rugby league historian, just moments ago about Redcliffe. Okay. Because I wanted to get a bit of info and, uh, you know, they're, they're fantastic. we run, got a great ground and, and hopefully they get the gong very soon. I mean, mm. it would be great to have a Redcliffe Dolphins and it would be great to go up there and make an allegiance or an alliance and shake hands and break bread and have a few beers uh, because I just think it would be great for rugby league. Uh, Queensland need a fourth side. What better name to have than the Dolphins? <laughs> Thinking of the dolphins is a little bit like the magpies, isn't it? Well, it is a bit, yeah. I mean, that's a story for another day, but that's but that is another great story in itself. <laughs> no, excellent. Um, just a couple more questions, and and even today, the uh, the beautiful memorial to the horrific, horrific events uh, stands out on that point on out on out on Coogee there. Mm. Um, it's a it's a lovely um, monument and and point, isn't it? Like yeah. it's that's real community building stuff, isn't it? Stuff like that. In 2000, at the end of 2003, uh, 
actually, sorry, beginning of 2003, we went to the Geographical Names Board to have it changed to Dolphins Point. And uh, Parliament, you had to register it and you were given one month and one day. Anyway, strangely enough, it was an election year. And uh, the Honourable Bob Carr came up on the Sunday and made a little speech. Massive sports fan, Bob Massive Carr. Massive sports fan, Bob, Bob Carr, at, at that end, the Roman centurions <laughs> and things like that. So I had to explain to him. But he was a terrific local member and yeah. it was good to have him in the backyard. Of when the tragedy happened because he knew a lot of the people. He knew the names, the faces. He knew yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, and one thing I'll say about Bob Carr, there was an event at the end of 2002, a fantastic dinner. Uh, Alan Jones was the MC and Bob Carr was the keynote speaker. Unlike a lot of other personalities that had their hand out wanting free tickets, Bob Carr sent a check for him and his wife. He paid. He didn't have to, hmm. but he said, this is going to my community. I saw the, I know I could tell you the bank. I could tell you the banker that gave us the check. It was personally delivered. He paid for his check and he paid for his seats. And I thought, you know what? That just shows the, the mark of a man, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Um, but he made that announcement and then it became Dolphin's Point. Then towards the back end of the year, we had two plaques and bit by bit it got added. Uh, so we had the, um, the why it was called the Dolphin's Point. There's a plaque there for the boys from Coogee. Yep. You've got the main wall of remembrance, which has got a name and a photo. And the council have been, say what you will about council, they've been fantastic. Yeah. And then we finally got the monument, which was designed by a guy called Sasha. I think Sasha Cohen may have been his name. And he designed this bronze monument. And I remember sitting in a, uh, I suppose, a meeting, a council meeting. There was me, myself and um, Dave Seelan, who lost his wife and sister-in-law. And on the, on, on the same night as well, and we became mates, a fantastic guy. And we just, that particular one just took us. And it had to go through a process, and that was the one that won. There was couple of other designs, but that was the one that stood out for a couple of reasons. For him, there was him, Dave Byron, who lost his daughter in Salvo, who, as you well know, lost his wife. Mm. And to him, it reminded him of the three of them hugging uh, when they realised the following morning that things weren't great. To me, the way of the angle reminded me of three dolphins. The thing about the bronze is that you can put your finger on it and it regrows again. Underneath it, there's a beautiful plaque and at particular times of the day as the sun comes through, uh, the way that it's structured, it actually doesn't touch. The sun hits it and it's just, it's it's awesome. Oh. It is awesome. And, and I know I'm probably getting a little emotional. Oh, but no, let's just go for it. Yeah. If you have a look at it, um, you, you'll see what I mean. But it's only on certain days. And you'll see what I mean when you pop up there, you know. Oh, that's beautiful. It is It is lovely, you know what I mean? And, uh-huh. you know, that was, that was one of the great things. And one of the very early ceremonies... There was a pot of dolphins, and I don't know oh, why. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Someone, <laughs> you know, whether you believe or not, just things like that. It, it was just a little capture of moment in time, and you and you couldn't beat it. No, oh, fantastic. <laughs> That's great. Um, and so, and so, like, of course, the club is about more than than that. It's a, a massive part of yeah, the it's club's a massive, history. It's a massive part of it. Yeah. But from that comes, and when you speak to Brock, you, you'll understand that the family connection. Um, the camaraderie, yep. the amount of guys who came. I mean, I remember the, I call them the, the, the Central Coast Six or Seven. There was, a, there, was a, there was quite a few of the lads that just rang and said, we want to come down. There was this one guy, Reggie Stewart and John Morris. They get on the phone, we're coming down. 
I'm Reggie Stewart and I'm coming down. I said, Reggie, you can do whatever you want, son, with trainings on Tuesday night. Don't worry, we'll be there. Me, Jolly Morris, we'll be down there. And I went, oh, all right, Reggie. I had no idea who Reggie was. <laughs> I had no idea who Jolly was. But they're still involved. Jolly now coaches the 17s and Reggie comes to lunches. Prowsey, who was another one that came down, is one of the assistant coaches. They're still involved from the moment that they came down. And they've made lifelong friends. And to me, that's about rugby league. Yep. So we had all these people that came and we rebuilt and we had a we had a great success in the senior divisions from 2003 to 2008. We made the grand final in 03 in the second division. We won in 04. We won the second we won the A grade in 04. We won 05 second division, 06 semi-final, 07 and 08 back to back. Then another two years after that we won the second division as well. And a couple of kids grand finals to throw in just as a, you know, sprinkle on the top. <laughs> So we had a great period of success. We've had to rebuild. Things have changed. Yeah. Um, and, of course, history, unless you keep reinforcing the history, it changes as well. Yeah. But the most important people in the club are the families. Uh, and we've still got a great rugby league connection. I mean, it was just the other day, the Isaiah Yo from Penrith, your side, mm. his grandparents celebrated their 50th winning anniversary. And they're the greatest people you could ever imagine. Um, Pat, only a few years ago, wasn't doing too well. He celebrated his 70th. Um, I got in contact with the then, of course, uh, godfather of Penrith, uh, Gus Gould, and I said, I sent him an email. Uh, it's, it's Isaiah's grandfather's 70th. Would you mind sending him something? I walked out of my office. I walked back in, and there was already a response, absolutely. And within 48 hours, a parcel was delivered. Those things make rugby league. Yeah. Those things make rugby league. What was the connection there with, with the club? Well, um, Pat and Kia's son, which was Isaiah's uncle, who yeah. only met very briefly when he was young, was the youngest guy that passed away. Right. You know, he never got to see 21. You know, he's just, he's a young fella. Wow. Um, he'd never been overseas before. And he took a suitcase to the airport packed full of clothes. And everyone laughed because he'd never been anywhere before. <laughs> Could you? You know, he just never wanted, he said, I never, I never wanted to let... You know, the family down. Um, you know, when you speak with Brock, his brother was over there as well. Um, Adam Howard was another. He was a great at Roosters player. He came through with Paddy, uh, Josh, and Shane Foley and all the boys. It was just uh, Dave Mavrudis. There's another great connection there. Mm. His father uh, was a fantastic country rugby league player. And his father ended up playing with Arthur Summons. Really? So we're talking incredible connections right across the board. Uh, and to me, you know, that just says about rugby league that goes back generations. And to this yeah. day, I can still ring any of the parents and just ask them how they're doing. And, they, you know, it's great to chat with them. Or I might say, I need a favour. Now, I know that might sound a bit silly, but it makes them involved. So it gives, it's a little bit of reverse psychology. And, and the amount of times they pick up the phone and go, absolutely. And... One of his great mates is Jimmy Cassidy. Now, he'll probably be at the lunch as well. That's another guest. And let me tell you, when he talks, you don't want to... It's hilarious. <laughs> and and Jimmy was another great a great bloke. And because of his relationship with John, John was on the phone to him straight away. And Jimmy tells me the story. He got woken up uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. That tragedy had happened. And he knew Dave. And he was great mates with John. And he's on, he was on the phone to him every day. Um, and whenever there was something that needs to be done, we can ring Jimmy. Jimmy's always there. Oh, and that's yeah. because of John's connection. Uh, and to me, you know, again, it just shows, you know, that community in sport. 
and a lot of people bag these blokes, but they are they're great people. They're great clubmen. Um, and Jimmy's been to quite a number of our functions. Uh, when we relaunched in 2003, we had it at the Crown Plaza. It was what was known then. And I think it was Golden Slipper Day. And I think Danny Beasley may have won it on that day. So there was him up on stage with Jimmy Cassidy. And if you were there for just a moment, you would have died laughing. It was hilarious. It sounds, sounds dangerous. It was very dangerous. And there was <laughs> lots of, you know, F-bombs and this bomb and that bomb. But uh, I shouldn't say that word, but... Uh, <laughs> They were just hilarious, and that just what it did was it just it just uh, took the, the the launch to another level. Yeah, and the parents had a laugh, and I said it in a speech a few years ago. I think for a moment they forgot where they were, and to have that laugh, and I watched around the room, and, you know, reality kicks back in, but everyone had a great laugh. It's oh, great though that moment of just a moment, of, you know, yeah, yeah. You know life's full of moments, and and I remember it. I'll, I can even tell you the exact time. I know where I was. <laughs> I was up at the VIP table, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's where, where you live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and can you just satisfy an itch in my brain yep. and memory? Um, did MG and uh, blokes like Matty Johns, did oh, they yeah. run around? What Absolutely. Was, what was that about? Was that in, in the sevens event? In 2003, there was the World Sevens. Ah, oh, that's it. And we had um, Matty Johns, Mark Geyer, Brett Mullins, Jay Bandy and future immortal Scott Minto <laughs> play for us. And is that, is that all? Uh-huh. then we had um, Justin Yeo. And I reminded MG of this just not long ago when I did a match for Triple M, that he played with Isaiah Yeo's father and he'd forgotten. <laughs> and it was great to remind him because Penrith, Penrith, and I said, mate, this is what this is. And he's, he, he couldn't believe it. He'd forgotten all about it. He goes, I've got to let Gus know. I mean, that he's come to a number of our lunches. What, oh. a, what a champion. Oh, yeah. Maddie was a champion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, of course, Paddy Byrne was the coach. Brock played, Brock Thompson. And poor Yo, I think, if memory serves me right. And we played this game on the Wednesday. We played out at um, St. Mary's. Oh, yeah. yeah. St. Mary's. And then we got the invitation because we lost both our trial our, uh, our games. So we got the trial game against the Americans. And uh, it was it was it was a fantastic occasion. Um, sad and tinged with a lot of sadness, but they, yeah, yeah, you know, they came out and they played, and it was absolutely fantastic. And if you ask Matty Johns, does he still have the shorts? I'm sure he'd say yes. <laughs> he would have. Talk about good rugby league fellas. Like oh, people. you know, and they put their hand up straight away. Oh, yeah, they, they put their hand up straight away, and you can't remember things. You can't forget things like that. I should say, and you know, they've been to our lunches. They, they understand what we're about. Mm. Um, we're not a bunch of yobs. There's a good sense of community about the club. And as I said before, we've raised between 250 and 275 over the last 20 years. Now, if we would have kept that money, we'd be like the roosters of South Juniors. We'd have the biggest sombrero cap, but we're not. We prefer to give back. And now it's Ronald McDonald House. Yeah. Fantastic news. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Might wrap it up there, Albie. All right, mate. Do you just want to uh, give one more plug about the details? Yeah, I think it's Sticky Tickets. Uh, look up Coogee Dolphins on Sticky Tickets. Yep. They're tier tickets. It's up at the Coogee Pavilion on August the 2nd. Starts at 1 o'clock. It'll go for about three hours. Uh, tickets are as low as 140 and as high as 250. Uh, so they're good buy-ins and you'll have a great afternoon. I can promise you you can have a great afternoon. You may even have a great night and even a better, even better morning. <laughs> uh, they do run for a few hours, these things, but they're always a great fun. Always great fun. Leave a spare week for it by the sounds of it. <laughs> oh, you need a detox, that's for sure. <laughs>
Oh, that's great. Um, thanks very much for um, hanging out and uh, no and having a yarn. Um, uh, we'll edit this down um, to all the best bits and we'll put it in, uh, put the run the um, interview in the August edition of Inside Sport. But this podcast will be out before then. So Fantastic. Well, yeah. we'll get to talk to Brock Thompson, who is, uh, you know, he has a special story himself. Mm. Uh, his brother was over there in Bali. He became the captain, won our first ever premiership. We ended up going to America. Um, the stories that he could tell you uh, probably could never, ever be repeated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, looking forward to it. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Abby, thank, thanks heaps, mate, again. Well done. Thanks, James. Appreciate it.